You're listening to Bits and Pieces on Sunrise Robot. I'm one of your hosts, Matt Duncan, out of Denver, Colorado. And I'm Michael Edwards, also out of Denver, Colorado. And we thrive on the support of our listeners, so please check out sunriserobot.net slash support to see some ways you can help us out. So wait, what? Yeah, um, did I misspoke? No, I'm actually here. I'm actually in the same room as Michael Edwards. This is wild. This is really wild. Like, we have no latency whatsoever right now. Yeah, no no Skype window. No, no, I can actually see him sitting there. <laughs> and it's it's strange to record a podcast like that, but also very great. Like, I'd, I'd have, it's like, kind of magical. I'm kind of really excited right now. Yeah, I would love to do it like that, as, like every time. But plane tickets can be really expensive, I've noticed. So um, <laughs> we're pro- this will probably be a one-time thing for now. Which also doesn't make sense. <laughs> only once for now. Uh, only like once the FBI, for I mean. a certain time, like limited, like the <laughs> McRib over here. Um, yeah, but it's really cool. Like I can finally watch some uh, stuff on YouTube that is usually blocked in Germany. You can by, get rickrolled. Yeah, I can. I actually rickrolled myself uh, yesterday morning <laughs> just just to get that out of my system once and for all. <laughs> Yeah, but it's cool. Like we've been doing some stuff together, um, some of which we're going to talk about later on. And um, yeah, now we're just chilling here in the living room, recording our favorite podcast. Yeah, with a lot less editing involved. I hope so. Well, it completely depends on my English now. (laughs) (laughs) So we're starting with a little bit of follow-up, just because it's kind of connected to it and all the topics so um we talked a lot about Kanye West because we basically had to like we couldn't avoid that topic um supposedly Kanye West visited the uh Ikea headquarters now we've all seen the business plan that he came up with this this <laughs> uh, this chart of uh luxury social media app something something um so now he's getting into furniture which I wouldn't be surprised of it, yeah, his little business plan looks like almost like an Austin Powers joke about what <laughs> Dr. Evil is going to do or something. With um, a million dollars. And so I have a, a needlessly high-minded characterization of what's going on do here. It. And that's, uh, <laughs> I, I, th- I brought this up on the show when we talked about the Life of Pablo album cover, or what will be TurboGrafx-16, I guess. Um, <laughs> and that's this thing called the author function, which was uh, out of the theory of... Uh, philosopher Michel Foucault, um, he called the author function basically the way the name of an author functions in discourse. So what it means to people when they hear the name of the author. And uh, according to his theory, um, this really became a thing, even though it's not like someone said, let's have an author function. It was kind of an <laughs> unconscious part of culture. Um, because of the legal system in the Middle Ages, the, the church wanted to be able to punish heretics or people publishing things. I guess after the printing press is when this really would rise. Um, and so if you just ex- extrapolate from there to modern life, um, we live in an age of machines and technology and everything's so easy to copy and reproduce and uh, manufacture at scale, whether it's physical products or memes on the internet, as we've discovered. <laughs> um Authorship kind of becomes an obsession because it's so easy to copy, and you're like, "Who really wrote this? Who's who gets credit? Who's the who's original?" And uh, that that power, that force of like, "Oh, he's the guy that invented that thing." Um, that power still works even in stupid situations, like <laughs> Kanye making furniture, or you know, he can make a terrible album cover, but it's Kanye, yeah. so it means something now. 
So that's my high-minded <laughs> characterization. <laughs> and I think we'll see that happen. If he makes an Ikea table, there's going to be some segment of people that are like, I just, yeah. and I don't think out. he will stop at furniture. I mean, um, I think this all got really apparent that this kind of thing works in the business when uh, Beats by Dre appeared on the market. Like, of course, it's Beats by Dre. Everybody wants to have Beats by Dre. <laughs> so now everybody wants to have something by Kanye West. Like, put a name on it or like... Uh, when Lady Gaga, I think she brought it like some kind of perfume or soap or something. Of course, people are going to buy that. It's Lady Gaga. Yeah. All the apps by celebrities. Yeah. Or title. <laughs> <laughs> Not yet. Not yet. Stop it. <laughs> um, yeah. So let's get into our actual show rundown. Um, I found this neat thing on Kickstarter. Once again, I like to browse Kickstarter for interesting uh, audio and technological projects. Um, and I found the Bela or Bela. I'm going to say Bella. I'm going to say Bella. Okay. Um, it's what, what it looks basically like the Raspberry Pi for audio for doing like MIDI and audio work. So it's just like a little board where you can, um, yeah, you can connect it to your computer. You can program stuff on it. It has connectors, like universal connectors that you can do everything with. Like it's not only quarter inch jack or only USB or only MIDI, but yeah, you can basically build whatever you want. And this is like a tiny device that's just like the central control um, system for whatever you want to build. Like you can turn it into anything. Like um, they've got this demo video of people building their own instruments um, through means of uh, like pushing a button, which then goes in there and then you code something. It turns that into a sine wave or a saw wave, a sawtooth or something. And yeah, it's basically um, the the smallest part you would need if you want to invent your own audio device like actual audio device that's physical that you can touch and send audio or uh, signals through i love this idea i think it needs to happen there's too much pro audio that just costs three times what it needs to yeah um and i I love this kind of approach because really smart people are going to go out in front of me and make things easier for me as i pick up the crumbs behind them and you know they'll take these devices they'll they'll make sense they'll make synchronized space tambourines of their own um all kinds of of stuff and then i'll get to buy a 30 dollar device download their software and use it right for nothing it's like those guitar pedals that we once talked about that you could like turn into other guitar pedals by the same manufacturer yeah yeah and it's um, I mean, lots of smaller devices are basically just this. They're like, um, it, it's all in the DSP. It all lies in the code. Like, you have to transform the audio into something digital. But once it's digital, you can just send it through a program. You just have to have that platform available. Of course, then you need to slap a UI on it. Like, do you have buttons? Do you have a touchpad? Do you yeah. have dials or anything? But th- this is all excluded from this. Like, you have, you can build your own interface to this actual audio system and you only have to then like program it yourself but as you said then people are gonna like uh, release presets or just any kinds of effects and i think this will turn into like a new maybe wave of client like um in parallel to the analog modular scene that's still very active where there's still modular systems being developed like this is the kind of digital version of that then like everybody can now build their own audio devices 
that are not in the box, so you don't have to rely on a laptop because that's what they showed in the um, in the demo in the in the video. You program your stuff in it, then you disconnect it from your computer, and you can use it just as is. It oh, only wonderful. needs a bit of power. One of the things I dreaded most about doing anything fancy with digital or electronic music is the laptop I have to lug around. Yeah, that is a giant brain holding tons of important things. It's so vulnerable. It feels like. It's never like it never feels not. I mean, I know people have some slick rigs sometimes, but nothing I ever set up looked elegant when I have my laptop on stage. Yeah. It's like, well, I have a chair, <laughs> <laughs> and also I, I would always have wanted like a dedicated audio machine because um, when we played live with the Astray, I always felt like I'm not just bringing my audio stuff here. Like all my work and all my like studying from from college and all that it's all in there it's all in there like i usually like removed one of the hard drives like i split it up so one of the hard drives could be removed and um i like in case something happened like a what car a crash everything like it was all it wasn't an ssd like this thing is vulnerable so i always took that one out so nothing could happen um, I mean, nowadays I have online backs up, backups, but still, I don't want to have that hassle of losing everything. So having a dedicated audio machine is always great. But yeah, this could very well be the complete replacement for a laptop if you well, got a bunch of these. And there's just a cognitive cost to having a full OS that's yeah. doing a million things. And when something goes wrong, it's harder to troubleshoot. True. Um, like processes and, running in the background. Yeah, me and Lions complain all the time about like, well, just reboot. We don't know what's going on. Yeah. And like a few days ago, we did that live stream and the webcam just stopped working. Yeah. Yeah. If you have like a dedicated thing that only does this one thing, but it does it very well, it's always better than like a system yeah. that maybe does everything, but not all the time. I also get the sense that it's the kind of software, I mean, I know it's hardware, but um, it's going to be a software platform or, or ecosystem that... Um, just should be easy and pretty much free and like just as a nice foundation for musicians to stand on. And, uh, you know, there's, there's other software like that out there. Like who doesn't know about handbrake or yeah. OBS at this point for live streamers? Like before OBS, you had to like buy Telestream or some of these other like, like expensive TV yeah. broadcasting packages. And it's like, I'm just some dude on YouTube. I'm not spending $600 <laughs> to show my camera over my game. Yeah. Yeah, I'm really excited to see what kind of little projects are going to come out of it. And I could see like people buying these, slapping their own DSP code on there, and then reselling them. And of course, do that. Like, that would be amazing. Or just, um, yeah, provide the code for like five bucks, or you can just order the whole thing for forty bucks if you want to. Yep, that's it. Um, one thing you shouldn't do is um, if you got one of these, is you shouldn't pirate a VST and uh, a visual <laughs> synthesizer and put it on there because even if you put it on your own Bella, um, yeah, don't go there. Yeah. Um, why are we talking about this? So um, Kanye, we, once again, we're at Kanye's uh, place. <laughs> um, Kanye was apparently listening to the new Sofian Stevens album on YouTube. Why he wasn't listening on Tidal, I don't know. Maybe it's yeah. not on Tidal. <laughs> no, it um, is. Oh, it is. So why is it on YouTube? So, um, and he posted, not a screenshot, but he took a photo of the screen, like an Instagram photo or something, <laughs> and put it on Twitter. 
And it, turned, it didn't take long until people um, pointed out that one of his other tabs were of a torrenting website. And it said, like, in the title of the tab, Xverse Serum, which is a synthesizer, a virtual synthesizer. Um, and, yeah, you might guess he got a lot of shit for that right away. Like, everybody was pointing that out. Um, apparently, people are saying that this was... Uh, yeah, this wasn't his laptop. It was one of his friend's laptops. But even then, if you're associated with Kanye West, if you're like up there with those people, <laughs> you can afford that synthesizer. <laughs> and um, they've got demos. Like I know Xfazerum, I believe, has like a trial. Um, most most VSTs nowadays have a trial. Um, either there's like you can use it for 30 days or it like does a noise every 10 seconds. So yeah. you can't really use it in production. Um now, I've heard of a lot of producers who are using cracked versions of VSTs, even though they own a legit copy, because sometimes just the copy protection, it hawks your system, it slows it down. Or sometimes, um, like, if you have to use that one, that, that key system where you have that dongle, that USB stick in there, yeah. I, don't, I don't remember what it's called, um, iLock, iLock system. Sometimes it just doesn't work, even if you if you, even if you paid for it. Like there, there's sometimes problems with that. So people buy it to, of course, support the developers, but then just run the cracked version. And um, this is something that regularly happens. Like I've read of a lot, like bigger um, producers who do that. Um, yeah, but without context, if you just see that tab of a cracked uh, of like, torrenting a cracked VST. If you're associated with Kanye, or if even especially if you're Kanye yourself, yeah, maybe you shouldn't get caught with that. Uh, while you're telling everyone you're in debt, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> maybe he bought too many other VSTs. Yeah, I can't afford it now, <laughs> but I need this for my track. Right meow. Uh, you mentioned Tidal, and uh, yeah. they're uh, facing a class action lawsuit um, from bands claiming that uh, they aren't paying their royalties out. Now, Tidal disputes this and says they have paid the royalties to TuneCore, which tells you that these are random independent groups and yeah. not like a label. Small artists, just um, on a distributor. Yeah, and uh, that's kind of awkward when one of the big things Tidal made so much noise about was how they're the artist-friendly, they're going to save the music system from this horrible... I mean, I don't disagree with some of their premise. Yeah, it's harder to make money making music today, but... Um, yeah, I don't think the royalties are really any higher than the other platforms. And yeah. It's it's just ugly press, too. Totally. Yeah, um, so yeah, basically, Tidal is claiming, yeah, um, first of all, they only got fewer than 13,000 plays, which on a global scale really isn't that all that much no. true so um and i read something about um i mean i mean it's probably the whole class action lawsuit that's about like 5 million dollars, but yeah, 13,000 plays don't get you 5 million dollars. Um <laughs> But yeah, I don't, uh, just because they say like they're fair and balanced, I wouldn't trust them on that alone. Um, like there, there's, there's <laughs> been so many skeevy fair, fair things. <laughs> yeah, there's been so many skeevy things with Tile already. Um, people dropping off from, from the original, not founders, but uh, the, ba the people who bought into the company, like the big artists. You don't hear them talk about that all that much anymore. Like, if I invested in that company, I wanted it to to run well. I would be talking about it nonstop. But 
I don't know. I, I think they don't want their name tarnished because yeah, they think it's going to fail. They're now in that one or two year contract and they're like, okay, I'm just going to keep a low profile and yeah. wait until this is all over. Wait until the tide Madonna is set. Madonna has lowered her leg from the table. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if you don't know what that is, that's when she signed whatever giant press statement about title. She had to lift her leg. Gotta lean into that signature. <laughs> no corner of her life can't be sexualized somehow. So yeah, nothing's telling me really that Tidal is any better than any other streaming service. Like they, they all have the same problems. They all, they all face the same problems of financing themselves, um, kind of getting along with the big labels, and um, also building a customer base. So. Yeah, has there been any? I guess we didn't prepare that part of the show, but their subscriber numbers have they been? I know everyone was angry last episode about Kanye's album. Not Let's just say I released. wouldn't know why they should be rising right now. The tide is fading. The tide is fading. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, speaking of more celebrities doing dumb things, we'll have some other meaty topics just in a moment. But we have uh, something, Adam, Adam Levine has a contest. And tell me about this contest. I'm not sure the full details. Um, so, it was basically kind of a songwriting contest. And um, the thing with those kind of contests, be it songwriting or design a logo for a company or uh, make a postcard or, or take the best photo with this merchandise from us it's always just like crowdsourcing it like we don't we're not going to do anything and we're going to get all the rights and a lot of people are going to invest their time and sometimes money into something to maybe get the chance of like achieving something with this like what are you going to achieve with this um even some i would say more high profile remix contests are like that like um i would if, if i were interested in doing remix contests again which i was at one point um i really would go for the little bit for, for the small artists not for the big ones like if there is a remix contest of Madonna, like they could easily just pay some producer to make them a remix, but they just yeah. want like, yeah, let's get just get five thousand remixes in the door and pick the best one and not have to do like a lot of yeah work for it and just that. write the contract so that they give up everything. That and that's the point here. They give up everything, like they give up all the rights. So um, it basically seems like um, so this lawyer kind of tried to put this into um, easily understood English. But it basically seems like, um, yeah, you write that song and we're, we're just going to do whatever we want with it. And yeah, you have songwriters for that and you pay them for that. Yeah. So I have a quote from the, the lawyer who posted this on LinkedIn as a blog entry. Oh. Um, so he says in his blog post, or no, this is the, the article about it. In his blog post, he called the agreement songwriters must sign in order to participate in the show, quote, by far one of the most onerous such television contest submission agreements he has ever encountered. Yeah. Yeah, but like comparing it to those television contests, I think that's fair, but it gets even worse because in those television contests, it's all like, yeah, you can sing, here's the song, sing it. But this is even worse because it's write that song and then we got it. Yeah. Every single corner of the, the intellectual effort yeah. is owned. And. I mean, this, this is kind of like headed by, by Adam Levine. And the thing is that there will be some bad press about this, but their fans really won't care about this. Like, it's, it's always the same. Like, um, there is a reason for some outcry and artists getting together, like, no, we're not doing this. And 
um, complaining about it, like we stop doing those contests, maybe. But the actual listeners, like they don't, they they maybe they, don't even know about this, and even then they won't care about this. So practice will go on as usual. Well, there's a weird backlash sometimes from sometimes. people who don't understand the creative effort, and they're like. Whatever, you get to be famous. Stop complaining. Yeah, we've seen this last month with the uh, Fine Brothers on YouTube where they tried to like trademark reaction videos. But that was really high profile and really, really stupid at yeah. the same time. But this is a little lower profile and, I mean, also very stupid. But um, this little bit of backlash probably won't keep a lot of other people from maybe attempting the same thing in the future. And that's, I think, the sad part. Like yeah. people are going to try again and try again and other people will participate in those contests and they will get their way. And yeah, the best thing is to, to do is to just ignore all of this, which we didn't talk <laughs> about it. We didn't do the best thing. No, we did a different thing. We have a gig report. Uh, yeah. So part of the joy of you visiting Denver is uh, I convinced my friend John to throw a little house show um, get together, uh, pretty cozy, maybe, you know, 15 people or so yeah. hanging out. And, uh, let's play, you know, it's just like, Hey, John, let's play some music. You, you're in a band, Glimjack. And, uh, you know, Matt writes music. I've got a bunch of music that I don't play anymore. <laughs> um, let's just, let's just get together and play some music. And so, um, right after you landed, you'd been up like 18 hours straight, almost 24, almost 24 <laughs> hours. You've been traveling for like 18 hours yeah, or that's... something. Um, and, uh, you know, we, we try to think about what songs we can play and then get some sleep next morning, play, practice for like an hour. And it wasn't easy deciding on the songs. Like we had to deconstruct them completely so we yeah. could play them with just two guitars, which is easier with your songs. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, turning electronica music into pure acoustic music can be kind of hard, but we kind of managed, I think. Yeah. I was the most worried because I just, there's so many good layers in your song and like boiling it down to, two guitars and two just chords and one melody yeah uh, it's just like you're missing so much but it worked out it, no the, the core song still worked um and so it was fun and i i love the atmosphere of a house show especially one that's like a bunch of friends yeah and uh it, it was just a, a warm cozy environment and i'm um, pretty attentive listeners and um you know, one of my best friends, Andres of Montropo, also played some covers. He played some Bowie, he played uh, uh, some Victor Hara. Played some of his own. Played some of his own music, too, which I hopped on with some harmonies, and John played some drums, Yeah, some some nice hi-hat work. Yeah, it was just great to get together with other musicians. Or um, I don't know if everybody there was a musician or were just very appreciative of music. And um, it was just a completely different feel to the regular gigs that I used to play. Um, maybe because people were showing up with other ex kind of expectations or something. But this was just, yeah, let's get together and really listen to the music. And I really felt like they were actually listening to what we were doing, to what we were playing, to what we were singing. Um, like I had one of them repeat um, the end of lives after we played and being like, yeah, it's good. And I thought, thank you. <laughs> You're the first person after I played who, went to, who said something about the lyrics. And I've never had that. I've actually never had that happen before. Um, I guess you better move to America. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> I mean, that that was another thing. Like, um, I mean, we played your songs, but then uh, when we came to lives, I thought, wait, this is the first time I'm going to play this song, and everybody in the audience is going to be able to understand my lyrics just on a language <laughs> level. And I thought, 
And I was gotten very self-conscious about, maybe it's complete shit. <laughs> maybe what I wrote is just really pathetic. But I um, kind of had a, I got some great, we both got some great feedback. And um, of course, we didn't play perfectly. There were some mistakes that have been made. One hour of practice. Yeah, one hour of practice. <laughs> but um, yeah, it worked out very well. And it's just great to be able to actually play music together. Like I was going to say, like to be able to play music without latency, but we haven't actually ever attempted yeah. to play in the first place because we know it's yeah, pretty it's much impossible. Yeah. But yeah, this is um, like the second day here and it's already been a highlight to just be able to do that. And yeah, everybody was really chill. Like uh, everybody was friendly. Everybody here is friendly. Like, um, really <laughs> That's amazing. not true, but... <laughs> Most people I've encountered so far have been very friendly, yeah. Uh, and sort of related to that, um, anytime I do a gig, there's always this weird psychological game. Like when I get there where I'm packing up to go, where part of me is like... Man, I wish I could just stay on the couch and play yeah. video games. The or... point where it's getting serious, like I have to now think about what I'm about to do. I have to set everything up. I have to do this. I have to drive there. Will people even be, be there? Time. Will it even be a good show? Yeah, will the sound be okay? Uh, let's just stay at home. Yeah, <laughs> let's play video this, games. This introversion tendency in me to be like, yeah, let's just stay in the cave. Yeah. Um, but then again, if I, um, you know... Uh, last fall, I decided to take a break from being in bands and uh, work on some stuff in the studio and kind of pursue some other creative efforts that weren't music. And there's always that itch if I go to a show, a friend show, or even a, a touring artist where you're like, you know, either you're like, I can do that. Yeah. Or, you know, even if it's not the arrogant version, if it's just like, man, I kind of wish I was playing yeah. out. <laughs> and so you can't win. I mean, the grass is greener is the way a lot of people say that. But there's something about that, like battle of like i don't want to just be a homebody that's not involved in anything because i'll for some reason decide that's a bad way to live yeah but then <laughs> the hassle of going out and playing um how do you navigate that is it just part of life and yeah. you just get over it you just have to invest so much energy sometimes to get yeah if you're lucky to get a little bit out of it then um and not be playing in front of an empty room with bad sound and don't have any fun at all. Um, but yeah, it's every time you take a gamble, maybe that's also it. Like if I were sure that every time I played at this particular bar, people were there and they were like waiting for me because I play there every month, that would probably be a different thing then. But also that would go, get old very quickly. Like, yeah, it's him again. So um, <laughs> it's, it's, you can't really play it safe. You always take a gamble with it. And I don't like taking gambles like that. I <laughs> I wonder if ankle pants takes gambles. <laughs> Probably besides a lot. all of the gambles, <laughs> all of the gambles that are available to him. <laughs> I, yeah. I still think we got to launch our our cover band, Cankle Pants. Cankle Pants. <laughs> <laughs> well, when he, what are we going to dress up as? <laughs> uh, that's not safe for work. Okay, that's true. But it's safe to say it has to do with Tim Allen, maybe. <laughs> Ah, uh, yes. But before that, our picks of the week. Right. Let's and, get to our picks of the week. And I'll go first this time. Sure. Uh, my pick of the week is a classic 90s indie rock god, uh, Jay Maskus, his band Dinosaur Jr., which he had with Lou Barlow and Murph. I forget the drummer's name. I think Murph is part of his name. Um, 
they are just quintessential like grungy slacker guitar solo rock and it's just so good and he's made so many good albums and so many good songs that if you like any of this stuff there's so much there to dig into and uh most of his songs are three or four chords they're they tend to be major key and uh i still liked it he has this this (laughs) this raspy voice uh but almost every single song also just has a like face melting guitar solo that just blisters through. And this is no different. This is Dinosaur Jr.'s Grab It. So let's have a listen. So what did you make of this song? <laughs> wow, it's crazy good. Um, I was asking myself why this wasn't in any Tony Hawk's game or snowboarding game that I ever played because it would fit right in there. And yeah, it's, it's all about the guitar, the guitar and more guitar. Um, <laughs> the vocals were great. Like they, they, they carried the song at some points and then the guitar like stomped into the foreground again. But <laughs> so for me, it, it still was about the guitar. And, um, yeah, that, that guitar solo at the end, it has that huge slide where it basically just goes from the bottom of the fretboard all the way to the top and then down again. And you, you can really hear like those steps because if you go on, up and down on a fretboard, um, if you don't do it quick enough, that slide will have little steps in it because of the fretboard. And, um, it was just, it sounded very raw, but at the same time, the, the, the overdrive was really clean on it. And, just that slide, I could, as that slide happened, I was really imagining that slide happening. And I want to listen to that again right now, that, that slide. <laughs> can't, can't let it go. Yeah. Uh, another thing I would mention is that uh, Dinosaur Jr. was a huge influence on my older brother, Justin, as he started playing guitar uh, in the early 90s. And therefore, when I picked up the drums, that was, you know, what I was listening to in addition to They Might Be Giants and some other stuff. And, uh, one of our first bands basically you know even though we weren't up to that level of chops i mean i'm still not at that level of chops yeah. on guitar <laughs> by any means but um we were reaching for that kind of rock and roll so love dinosaur junior uh marker <laughs> so what was your pick of the week um, my pick of the week is Hideki Naganuma with Funky Dealer. Um, why that song? Well, every time they kind of re-release a an old video game on Steam, I get it and I play it to death and I rediscover the music in it. And with Jet Set Radio, that's no different. Um, actually, this song, though, is from Jet Set Radio Future, the sequel that was released as a launch title, I believe, on Xbox. And I wish I just wish they would release it on PC again, yeah. like HD re-release remake. Maybe a PS4 that would be great. HD remake. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um, 
Yeah, so Hideki Naganuma does a lot of sample-based stuff. Like, um, he's very active on Twitter. Like, you can ask him a question about how did he, how did you do that? And so basically, Sega at once, uh, at one time just bought a bunch of sample CDs and a sample library. And every musician in the developer teams of Sega could use those samples. So, um, if you go through the, uh, soundtracks of all the, uh, um, let's say, some, um, yeah, Sega games from like 96 to 2006 or something, you'll find a lot of samples that are kind of like in the same similar uh, fashion. And they're all like from this sample library. And sometimes they even reuse them among different ta- tracks. And um, Hideki Naganuma for, for Jets Radio and Jets Radio Future, he did a lot of like techno and funk mix stuff with all of those samples. So this sample is... Uh, um, is about um, a dealer. I think it's from. Oh, what is the game called? I'm, I'm going to figure this out while we're listening to a little bit of funky dealer. Nine a winner. Pay the front line. Take the don'ts. He's coming out again for a new point. Get your bets down, ladies and gentlemen. Four fours to point. Mark four. Ace two scrap. 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 Mark four. Ace two. So the game is called Craps. I've never played it, so I don't know um, the, the terms he's using, but every once in a while, all those phrases by that dealer just pop in my head, like this eight shooting for nine, five shooting for nine, and he's got this like <laughs> old school distortion on his voice, and um, the, the the whole rhythm section on this track is just going crazy. Like I wouldn't know where to start on how to build a track like that. So what do you think of the song? Oh, this is some weird combination of like completely thoroughly enjoyed by me, but I would never think to look up or seek out this kind of music. And so maybe that's the special power of video games to like expose you to music you would never think to check out. And Sega always kind of had that, that they're the cool kids vibe uh, in the console wars. And so when they were coming out with these games in the Dreamcast era, they had a lot of soundtracks like this and... It also just seems to match so perfectly with that cell shaded kind of spray paint, uh, yeah, future graffiti, look. future graffiti world. And, uh, aside from that, just dat bass. <laughs> it's so slappy. I don't like slap bass, but I like this yeah. here. <laughs> it's just going all over the place. And I believe like, um, I mean, it's also, it's a lot of it is sample based, but I do believe that a lot of like the guitar and bass parts, um, they play themselves, not necessarily they play themselves. May, uh, <laughs> maybe I should ask him if he actually played the bass on that song, but I believe that was actually written for the song. But man, all of those samples are like so intelligently used. And every once in a while, you discover one of those samples in a very different track, like um, um, not necessarily by Sega. And you're like, man, where have I heard that, that before? Like he sampled the Beatles at one point and... Um, I remember in Amplitude, in uh, the game by Harmonix, it has a sample that he used in some Sonic game. And um, it's just like an Easter, Easter egg search that you can play with all of his songs. And those are our picks of the week. And before we close out the show, I want to make a special note for some bonus content yeah. we've added to the end of our show notes. Uh, it's a uh, it's a series of PS4 HD remake improvements, and I'm not going to explain what that means. But, uh, you know, taking full advantage of Matt's time here in Denver, we decided to create some things. Along with our friend Benji. Yes. Uh, 
who did great work on on some of these. Yeah, the the Lion King PS4 HD remake is tremendous. Anyway, there's a there's a whole playlist of these, and it's this is very important, seminal work in our careers, and uh, we invite you to check it out. This will launch a new business career for all of us. <laughs> So those show notes you can find at sunriserobot.net slash bits and pieces slash 50. Uh, you can also find a link to our Spotify playlist where we collect all our picks of the week, which, you know, at 50 episodes, that's probably nearly a hundred songs. Not everything's on Spotify, but almost everything is. And we make sure it gets in that playlist. Um, and while you're looking at our show notes, you can also subscribe to Bits and Pieces using the iTunes or the RSS button. If you don't like iTunes, you can still uh, use any podcast app. Uh, I like Overcast.fm for iPhone. Or if you're on Android, you could use Podcast Addict or Pocket Casts. And you can use our RSS button or just search for Bits and Pieces or search for Sunrise Robot. And you should uh, it should come right up in the search results. And uh, me and Matt love feedback. We're both on Twitter all the time. We'll probably reply within minutes. Yeah, especially um, now that in, I'm in most of our listeners' time zone. Yeah. Uh, and if you have questions, you have songs, you have topic ideas, please do send those to us. Uh, we love feedback. Send uh, My Twitter handle is at pseudomichael, S-U-D-O-M-I-C-H-A-E-L. And Matt, you are? At Echolox, E-C-H-O-L-O-X. And we also take feedback on the... Uh, PH, PSD, PS4 HD remakes. Maka. Maka. Stop it. If you'd like to support us more directly, there's a couple ways. Uh, the first is the free way. Um, even if you hate iTunes, again, not everyone really likes iTunes. Uh, it turns out ratings and reviews matter a lot. And if, if you fired up iTunes and looked up our show and left a review and, and gave us a rating, that just helps immensely to get some exposure for our show. Um, and if you'd like to pledge money directly to us, uh, that helps us produce new shows and we've got some things cooking, uh, maybe some merchandise, um, maybe some plush dolls, who knows, the sky's the limit. Um, you can uh, support us at our Patreon, so patreon.com slash sunrise robot, and every dollar goes a long way. And uh, depending on the level you support, you might get your name mentioned on Sunrise Robot shows. And with that, special thanks to Benji Robinson and Carolyn Kraut. All right, we'll see you next time. I don't think so, Tim.